Good evening, everyone. A few technical hitches today. Um, so, that's all right. Good thing about being in a family, isn't it? You're allowed to make mistakes. We're just going to take some time to worship the Lord, but before we do that, why don't we just pray together and ask God to be with us. Lord, we thank you that you are with us by your spirit. We just thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we can take time to worship you in spirit and in truth this afternoon. Lord, our prayer would be that you would be glorified in this time, that we might be encouraged. And we just ask that you might be seen for who you are. And we ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll get you to stand and we're going to sing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your holy The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship Your holy Thousand years and then forever. 
seat. We'll go straight into communion now. I was reading this through um, during the week. Um, it's been working through the Psalms, and um, you know when you've read something, you've read it many, many times before, and then for whatever reason you see something again, and or see something afresh, or see something new. So this is one of those times, and I. I was really excited by it. I've been thinking about it all week. But anyway, I just thought that would be a good lead-in for us in breaking bread um, in the time of communion this morning. So I'm reading from Psalm 82. It says this, God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. So it's probably not the usual thing you'd read thinking about communion, but um, if you can picture... There's two different ways people think about this psalm, but they end up with the same message. You can think about it as God addressing an actual angelic assembly, or you could also think about it as a kind of a a poetic way of saying, if God was to address the gods, the small g gods, they don't exist by the way, but if he was to address them, what would he say? What would he say to them? So I'm not going to make a call on on which of those it is, because it does either way. The message is, God is saying, you guys are useless, hopeless. You're hopeless. You don't know anything about being God. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what being God is about. God is about defending the weak and fatherless, upholding the poor and oppressed, rescuing the weak and the needy. It's not about being on the side uh, of the of the wicked and um, the rich and powerful and so on. It's a completely, he turns the thing of, of what it is to be God upside down. So it's no surprise then when Jesus, the Son of God, walks the earth, what do we see him doing when he's here? Those are the things he does. He defends the weak and the fatherless. And in fact, you might remember um, it's kind of a mission statement right at the start of his ministry when he's at the synagogue in Nazareth. He says, and he's quoting the prophet Isaiah, but he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set at liberty the captives, um, to bring sight to the blind and so on. So um, I'm not going all political on you here. We're the weak and needy. In this context, we're the weak and needy. We need rescue. And um, Jesus has done exactly the same things that God has done, that God is doing. And so as we celebrate um, breaking bread together this, this afternoon, we're celebrating the fact that God has found a place in his, in his heart for us. That's what he's like. And uh, he's done that through Jesus Christ. So can I get you to... Uh, let's get going on communion. We'll just go with the first five rows as normal. Can I just say, if you're visiting Subi today or you wouldn't call yourself a Christian at this point in time, I would just ask you to uh, pass on this part of the service and we're more than happy to explain that to you. We take it very seriously here. 
Otherwise, feel free to uh, be part of this. I'll get you to hold the cup and the, uh, and the bread, take it back to your seat, and we'll take them together. I'll let you know. praise you for who you are and for what you're like. I thank you that it's just who you are. It's in your nature to save the weak. And that's us, Lord. We just thank you that you've saved us in our weakness, that you've rescued us in our sin and in our brokenness. And we give you thanks. Let's take the bread. Lord Jesus, we praise you also that when you were here on the earth and even now you doing the same things that you saw your father doing we praise you again for your rescue for your sacrifice for us on the cross to bring us into a right relationship with god let's take the cup okay let's stand and we'll sing another song
you were great and mighty. Everything you know, your love sustains the humble. Pride you overthrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before you do that, say hi to someone round about. Well, good evening and welcome to Subi Church tonight. It's great to see you. If you're here for the first time, a special warm welcome to you. My name's David. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, for visitors that I have, uh, haven't seen for a while, welcome back. It's great to see you. Now, part of what we do at Subi Church is that we memorize scripture. It's called Scripture at Subi. Uh, we the scriptures tell us if uh, we meditate on the word, it becomes part of us. Uh, it it, it uh, enables us to to live the Christian life as we uh, as we take it into our hearts. And so we have been memorizing scripture. And so tonight we're going to do both May and June. And so that's Philippians chapter two verse eight, and then Philippians chapter two verse nine and ten. All right. So we'll say the reference. We'll say Philippians chapter two verse eight. The verse. We'll go immediately into the next. Uh, two verses, and then we'll finish with the reference because they uh, lead into each other. Do you think we can manage that? It's the last week of June, so we should be up to speed. So let's say this together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Yeah, 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Thank you. That's why we don't let the kids out until the end, because they help me through it. Excellent. So it's a bit of a long one, but it's a good one, uh, and they, they go together. And they tell us the great story of the gospel, the great story of the gospel. So I'll invite the kids now to go off to their time of Bible study. If you have, you're here for the first time and you've brought your kids, please follow the kids up and meet the teachers. They'd love to see you and introduce themselves to you. Well, welcome again. If you're here for the first time, a special warm welcome. One way you can get connected with our church, our regulars know this, is through our Connect card. And there should be a physical one near you. Otherwise, we do encourage you to, to fill an electronic one in. You'll, you can just scan the QR code on the chair in front of you. We really encourage our members to do this. We would like all of us to do it, but our members especially to do it. It gives an opportunity for us to know that you're well, you know that you're travelling okay. Any prayer requests, we'd love to pray along with you. For newcomers, if you want to know more about the church, if you'd like to RSVP to anything, if you'd like to know about our ministries here at the church, about our small groups, this is kind of the point of contact. You can put the physical copies just in a box on the way out. Otherwise, the electronic ones, um, obviously, you don't need to do that. Now, now come to our time of offering. Uh, the Lord asks us to give because he's a God who gives and he invites us to partner with him in making his great news go to the ends of the earth. He could do it on his own, but he chooses to partner with us. And so money is part of that as we raise up gospel workers to go to the ends of the earth. And so why don't you pray with me that the Lord uh, would uh, use this money so that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth and would go uh, to make uh, his name known. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for all that you've given us. You are a great God, a generous God. Lord, you've called us uh, when we were sinners and you've invited us into your heavenly family. And we thank you, Father, for all that you've given us. And we ask, Lord, that the money that is raised this week would go to gospel ministry and making your name known here and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two really quick announcements. The first is that next weekend we're having a weekend of baptisms. If you're a Christian but you haven't yet been baptized, we really encourage you to think about doing that. We know the Lord Jesus himself said that we are to be baptized, we're to make disciples and baptize them. And so if you are a Christian, you haven't yet uh, taken the plunge, then we, we ask that you would do that and there's an opportunity next week and you can come and talk to people about that. So let us know on your Connect card. Uh, being being baptised is to publicly identify yourself with Jesus Christ, which is an important step in your Christian walk. So that's next weekend. Uh, the other announcement is that uh, if you're a young adult tomorrow, we have a young adult service, 6pm in the cafe. We're going to be sharing a meal together. We're going to be fed from God's word and we're going to deepen our friendships with each other. So 6 p.m. tomorrow, we'd love to see you there. I'd like to invite Steve and Susan up on stage. We'd just like to tell you something that's been happening in the church uh, just recently. Uh, just to bring you up to speed about what's been happening. It's very exciting. Uh, so it's a little uh, spotlight on evangelism. I want, I want to just preface before what we say by asking you the question, why do we tell people about Jesus? Why do we tell people about Jesus? I think the Bible's got three answers. Heaven commands it. Hell demands it. Love compels it. And we take that very seriously here at Subi Church. And we try and tell uh, people about Jesus in a number of different ways. 
But one of the most effective ways is through a, a relational course called Christianity Explored, which is a six-week uh, six course, six-session course, uh, which uh, we have recently just completed, and we'd like to tell you a little bit about it. So I'm going to hand over to Susan. Yeah, the great thing about it is it's very informal, comfortable for anyone who's invited. Anyone is invited. And it's over a lovely meal. The meal is provided and there's a picture of some of us. Um, it's over the meal we have uh, conversations about the things of the Lord and they're also presented with who Christ is. So it's really comfortable and easy for anyone to come to. This is Steve. Steve is one of, uh, you'll see him there, he's one of the uh, our guests at the course. He's just going to give you a quick reflection about his time in the course. Hi everyone, my name's Steve McBride. Now, David's given me 30 to 60 seconds, which is virtually impossible for an Irishman, but I'll try. Um, a few of the things that I got out of this Christianity Explored course... Um, it gave me a much deeper and broader understanding of the book of Mark. When I last did it a very long time ago, it was going through the motions, I'm sorry to say. Um, the course comes with a very useful little booklet, which um, helps you to record your, your thoughts and your ideas and probably refer back to again in the future. Um, there's also very professional videos, I think, made by a company in the UK. Lots of uh, anecdotes and analogies, just like our, our three pastors here use in their sermons, which is really good. Um, and then um, lastly, of course, who could forget the food? But um, as you know, um, our church has a very cosmopolitan congregation. So uh, there was a very broad spectrum of people at the course um, that allowed me to make new connections and friends. So I would encourage you all. If you're interested, to please attend. Thank you. Great. Now, I just wanted to tell you um, some really interesting facts about this course and then to give you a challenge. So this relational course type evangelism is actually one of the most effective ways of doing evangelism in Australia today. Right? It's bearing a lot of fruit. And research has shown that one in four people who attend this kind of course become a Christian. One in four. And we just ran the course and someone became a Christian. Five to ten invitations lead to one person coming to the course. All right? Five to ten invitations lead to one person coming to the course. So if we want to see 20 people, if you want to see 20 people become Christian, which is a modest goal, really, isn't it? But probably a realistic goal, a modest goal for a church of our size. How many people do we need to invite to the course? Well, if one in four who come to the course become a Christian, and five to ten invitations lead to someone coming to the course, then we need how many invitations? All right, 20 people to become Christian at CB Church next 12 months. We will need 80 people to come to the course because 25% will become Christian. And therefore, how many invitations? One to, how many invitations? About 800 invitations, right? Right? 800 invitations. Now, we are a church of about six to 700 so that means everyone needs to invite someone plus a little bit more if we're going to see 20 people come to Christ. Now, what, and that's only 20. What if we wanted to see 50 people become to, come to Christ? Then how many invitations would we have to give out? 2,000. That's right. We've got an engineer at the back. 2,000. Those figures, I think, help us. You know, if, if we only want to see 20 people, and that's not a lot of people, 
It requires 800 invitations. It requires all of us to be thinking about who we might be inviting, thinking about praying about who we might want to invite. And it means if we run the course more often, more, we're going to see, under God, more people come to Christ if we run the course more often. So perhaps could you run the course in your small group? Could you run the course at youth group? Could the youth group parents on a Friday night run the course and invite their friends to come? Uh, you can do the course entirely online. Could someone here lead that course online? done this one-on-one -on -one and, and we see results which is really exciting. You all know people that you love that you wish you could talk to about the things of the Lord and you might need a little help and like Dave said all you have to do is invite, if all of you invited only one or two and you've got months to pray about who that might be and look for that opportunity and just say it could be something simple like um, if you want to know what it is to be a Christian or what Christians believe, if you want to have a little look at the Bible or have your questions answered, why don't you come along? That simple. And you know what? You've got nothing to lose. The worst thing anyone could say to you is just, no thanks or I'm too busy. So, but just think of the potential if some of those people came. And if a congregation our size, we're all inviting one or two. So start praying now. We're going to run this later on in the year. If you start praying now, start inviting one or two people um, I think we're going to see really beautiful fruit. Yeah. And if you'd like to be part of the team, if you'd like to be part of the catering team, if you'd like to be part of the hospitality team, if you'd like to be part of uh, leading the discussion, please let me know. Thank you. Thank you, David. Well, I have, been given you, I've, I have been given four minutes to bring to you this evening what I think is one of the most important announcements you're going to hear from this pulpit all year. And I have some really exciting news to share with everyone tonight. And that is that after an exhaustive and exhausting process of seeking to discern God's will, I am delighted to announce that the elders have invited our preferred candidate for the new senior pastor role to visit with us this coming week. And I can tell you, you have got an outstanding selection committee and group of elders who have narrowed down what has been an amazing group of candidates, both internal and external, down to one preferred candidate. And I can now share with you that we are inviting a gentleman named Tobin Miller and his wife Christina to come and see what Subi Church is really like. They will be in the air from the US sometime in the next 12 hours and they're going to spend a whirlwind week with us to confirm whether this is in fact the place that God would have them serve next. And there is a picture of the Miller family, so meet the Millers. There's Tobin, there's his wife Christina. They have got four children, three of whom are studying in college in the US and one of whom is still in high school and she will be joining them when they come out here. They're going to be arriving here on the, on the morning of, uh, of Monday coming and we are really excited to have them here. They're going to spend some time with staff, they're going to spend some time with the elders 
and you are also going to get a chance to meet them face to face as well. And I should also share with you that there is a connection between them and Suvi Church. In fact, there's a couple of connections. One of the very first people I reached out to as the, the chair of the selection committees, I reached out to one of our old associate pastors in Timon Bengston. And he gave me one name and he gave me Tobin Miller, which I thought was very, very interesting. So he's come very highly recommended, not just from people overseas, but also here as well. And the other really strong connection is that he, he shares a similar background to Ben and Ben's brother Graham before him as well, and their father too, because we have another Texan. So Tobin was born in Texas, and he completed his theological studies at Dallas Theological Seminary, which is where Ben studied, where Graham studied, and where their father Wendell was the principal for many years as well. He spent time working with college students, he was a chaplain of the athletics team at the University of Texas. I am told he was an outstanding basketballer. So when we say that he's got big shoes to fill in replacing Ben, I think he will have very big feet because he'll be really tall. And it was in that role he started talking to students on summer language programs and taking them to East Asia. So he has served for 16 years with Campus Crusade in East Asia. And that's where he met his wife, Christina. And as you can see from that photo, she was born in Hong Kong. Not quite from that photo, but that's where she was born. That's where they met. And uh, he was called to pastor a new church on Hong Kong Island, which they planted and they served for many years until 2016. Then they returned back to, uh, to, uh, to Dallas, working with Watermark Church there. And uh, they've been there for about five years, and uh, they have applied for this role here in Subi Church, and we are really excited to see them as they are sensing that the Lord is taking them into a new season as well. So lots of experience working in churches as a pastor, in planting new churches, in developing new leaders, and so it's going to be an amazing time. Now, they're only here for a few days. They will be arriving here on, uh, on Monday, and as I said, spending some time looking around Perth after they get over jet lag, spend some time with staff, spend some time with the elders, and remembering this whole process is about discerning both ways. We have to make sure they are the right fit for us. They have to make sure that we are the right fit for them as well. So nothing is signed and sealed until we have all sought the Lord's leading in this. You are going to get a chance to meet with them as well. So please mark this in your diary if you can. We are planning a Meet the Millers evening on Friday night. 7 o'clock it will be here in the church. And they will get, you'll get to hear their story and you'll be able to do Q&A with them as well. Nothing will be off limits, so you can ask them whichever questions that you like. So there's three things that I would like to leave you with, three things that I would ask you to do. Number one, please pray for the Millers as they come out to Perth. It's going to be an exhausting time. They are bringing their youngest daughter, Caitlin, or KK as she is called. Pray for the elders. This is still a time of discernment, and it's such an important, critical time in the life of the church. And the third thing I would say is remembering that the final part of this process is that it will come down to a vote of the members of Subi Church. 
So if you are not yet a member, then there is an opportunity for you to have your say as well. So I would urge you, please, to come and talk to one of the leaders of the church here about how you could become a member as well. None of these things are ever easy. And one of the things I remember Ben saying many years ago, he said, don't ask for clarity. Just ask for more faith. And so I'd ask you to include that in your prayers as well. After they have been, you will be notified of when the church will hold an extraordinary general meeting and that's when the final vote will take place. So you will hear more about that and you'll be given plenty of time. So please keep these matters in your prayers, please. This week's Bible reading is taken from James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror, and then after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Thank you, Kendrick. Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you. Good to see you, as always, as, uh, you know, as we gather as God's people to hear from Him. And one of the things that we always do before we go on and hear from God is that we want to pray. And as you have heard from Stuart, that's there's a lot of things that we need to pray for, particularly for the senior pastor's search, particularly for uh, the Miller family, and for all of us, for the elders, to, um, for wisdom, for discernment, uh, and for faith as well. And let's not forget Ukraine and Russia, what's going on there. We can pray for that. Um, this evening, pray for um, wars to cease over there, and therefore peace to come again. So let me give you uh, a few minutes just to pray for those things, and then I'll lead you in prayer right at the end. Let's pray right now. Father, we come before you right now, this evening, as your people. And we bring our prayer before you, our request before you. Father, we pray for Ukraine and what's happening in that region of the world. Lord, it is always heartbreaking to see what's happening, the violence and wars happening. And we do pray. We do pray for peace, Lord, humanly speaking, sometimes it's impossible to see how that's going to come about. But Lord, we know that you are the sovereign Lord, that you can do the impossible, and we do trust that you will do it. So Lord, we do pray that violence will cease, that wars will cease, and that peace will come once again, that the people there affected by this war, they can rebuild their lives. Father, we also pray for Toby Miller and his family, as they come here, as they travel here, we do pray that it is um, a time where they can discern your will, discern your calling upon their lives. Lord, it is going to be a very busy and packed week, so we do pray that you keep them safe and healthy. We also do pray that during this whole time that, Father, we ask that you help them to see and to 
figure out whether Subi Church is the place that you have called them. And Father, we also do pray for the elders as they meet with him. We do pray for the staff as they talk with him. We do pray for each one of us here as the congregation, as we meet with the millers, as we get to know them, as they are introduced to us. We do pray for your spirit to be at work within us, to give us wisdom, to give us discernment. Lord, we want the right person to lead this church, your church. And we want a person who loves you and loves his people. And we do pray that as we think about the future, as we think about voting in the coming months, we do pray that you give us guidance and give us wisdom as we do that. And Father, we pray for ourselves this evening as we come to your word. We do pray that you prepare our hearts to receive your word so that we can be obedient people, people of the risen King. So Father, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we start the sermon, I'm going to show you a very short video clip, very interesting clip. So just pay attention to the screen uh, and uh, watch the video. So in this clip, about 30 to 40 second clip, we see a brand new home that was just built. So there were many people in front of it. And as we watch that clip, the ground where the house was built suddenly moves. And then the whole house sinks underwater and we can't see it anymore. So the water took the entire house in just about 10 seconds. Well, that house was not built on a solid foundation, it was it? Like it was built on a slippery, muddy, loose foundation, the very opposite of solid. And as a result, it gets washed away in 10 seconds. So countless hours laying brick by brick, the builders doing that. But because they never built it on a solid foundation, everything that they've built washed away in 10 seconds. It goes to show that the foundation is supremely important, isn't it? If we don't have proper foundation, the house comes crumbling down. The passage that we are looking at today is from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 29. That's the analogy of the wise and foolish builders. It comes at the end of the famous Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, speaks about what it means to be a follower of his kingdom in the kingdom of heaven. And R.T. France says this in his uh, commentary about Sermon on the Mount. It deals with the character, duties, attitudes, and dangers of the Christian disciple. It is a manifesto setting out the nature of life in the kingdom of heaven. Right, so the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon for all Christians, given to people who are followers of Christ, people who know about his teaching, people who know about his word is for us, in other words, those who love and follow Jesus. And this analogy, this story of the wise and foolish builders, 
comes at the end of this sermon, as a conclusion, as a summons for the people who are listening to this sermon, to Jesus, and Jesus saying to his followers, now that you have heard my words, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So let's read that passage. Let's read Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read from chapter 7, verse 21 onwards, just to give us a context, but we will focus on verse 29 onwards. Let me invite you to stand as I read from Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in, in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who has authority, not as their teachers of the law. You may be seated. So hopefully, as you have noticed, this is a story, analogy, about two different builders building their house on very different foundations, right? The wise builder, he builds his house on the foundation of rock, solid. The foolish builder, on the other hand, builds his house on the sand as his foundation. So in some sense, what Jesus is asking us, what is your foundation? What are you building the foundation of your life on? Is it on a solid rock or is it on sand? So there are two main things this passage encourages us to do, and we're called to do the both, both of them. And if we do the both of them, we will be building a foundation of our lives on solid rock, perfectly able to hold up throughout our lives. So why are these two actions? Very simple, very straightforward actions, but yet it takes a lifetime to master. So number one, be hearers of God's word. Be hearers of God's word. So both the wise and the foolish builder, they have heard the word of God. They know what Jesus has told them. They know his teachings. They know his life. They know his call for obedience in a Christian's life. They know all of that, and then they went on to build a house based on that. So the foundation of the houses then is a picture of the lives that they are building. I notice verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the words of Christ himself, and before we go on to talk about you know, being obedient, being doers of God's Word, well, we have to know His Word, isn't it? We need to be hearers of God's Word. So the first challenge very quickly for us is, are we hearers of God's Word? Do we know His Word well? Do we read our Bibles? Do we know the Word of God well? 
And let me encourage you to dive deep into our Bibles more often, because knowing and hearing the Word of God brings great blessing to each one of us. And one of the things, one of the reasons why sometimes I think we find it difficult to motivate ourselves to read God's Word is sometimes we forget the blessing that comes with it, the blessing of knowing and reading God's Word. Right, reading itself is, as a habit is increasingly rare in our world today. We are used to bite-sized information, right? We're not used to long-form reading and writing. So many of us, we find it hard to sit down to read our Bibles anymore. And many of us, we haven't experienced that sweet blessing in knowing and hearing God's Word. But yet, if we go through the Scriptures, that's what God's people always talk about. An example is Psalm 119, the longest psalm, 176 verses. That's a psalm, the longest psalm is about the Word of God. Right? In Psalm 119, God's Word refreshes our souls, strengthens us when we are weary, gives us counsel, gives us hope, comforts us when life gets tough, preserves us in God's kingdom. It's a great psalm as we read it. It lifts our hearts towards God and His Word. And if you have time today, let me encourage you, just take 15, 20 minutes. Just either listen to an audio Bible or just read Psalm 119. And you don't have to do it alone. Just read it together with a friend. And as you read it, be blessed by it. Listen to Psalm 119. And let me encourage you, if this is not something that you do on a daily basis, to read, your script, to read the Scriptures, to develop a habit of doing it just for five minutes. It doesn't have to be long, just for five minutes. You can even use audio Bibles to help you through it. And part of the blessing, and I think the greatest blessing, as we listen and as we know God's Word better, is that we get to know God's heart better. As we come to know and hear God's Word more and more, we start thinking God's thought after Him. We start seeing the world as God sees the world. We start seeing ourselves as God sees us. So instead of being tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching from our world, and it changes all the time if you think about it, we are instead we are being anchored by God's Word in our identity and in the way we view the world. Be hearers of God's Word. And as we hear His Word more and more, we draw closer to His heart more and more. But for the builders in our passage today, they know God's Word. They know the words of Jesus. And the one thing that sets the both of them apart from each other with great consequence is their response to God's Word. Very different responses to God's Word, to Jesus' words. And because of that, the houses they built has very different outcomes. And the whole point Jesus is doing here is imploring, telling us, don't just be hearers of God's Word, be doers of God's Word. Don't just hear and know God's Word, but put them into practice. That's our second point. Be doers of God's Word. The wise builder built his house on a solid foundation. When the rain came down, the streams rose. That house did not crumble, did not fall. Stood strong against the elements. The foolish builder, on the other hand, when the elements came and struck the house, the house fell with a great crash. It could not withstand the elements. So when we do know and when we hear God's word, we ask this question. 
how are we responding to God's Word? How are we responding to God's Word? That's the foundation in which we build our lives. Do not just be hearers of God's Word, be doers of God's Word. One person I would like to um, give an example is Kasuhiko Ishibashi. Hopefully I got his name right. He is a well-respected seismologist from Japan at Kobe University. So he's an expert at understanding earthquakes, at studying earthquakes. And he has been warning the Japanese government that the country's many nuclear power plants, they are in danger of serious damage or even a meltdown because, well, they've been built in earthquake-prone areas. In 2006, he was part of a committee that was formed to revise the guidelines, the national guidelines on Japan's nuclear power plants to make them more resistant to earthquakes. Right? And he proposed that they review these guidelines to review the standards of surveying and assessing dangers. So that's why he is suggesting to the committee. But he was rejected. Nobody followed through. And as a result of that, he resigned from the committee and he said that the committee's review process was unscientific, that Japanese engineers were overconfident in their ability to build nuclear power plants that would withstand earthquakes. And in a conference, he said this, I think the situation right now is very scary. It's like a kamikaze terrorist wrapped in bombs just waiting to explode. So he's talking about the nuclear power plants all throughout Japan. On March 11, 2011, all his fears came true. Huge offshore earthquake happened. Tsunami came and damaged the Fukushima nuclear power plant. That resulted in a level 7 international nuclear event scale, the highest possible nuclear disaster, and that whole city had to be evacuated, a total of about 300,000 people. A significant amount of radioactive material was released into the ground, into the ocean waters. The Japanese government had to ban sale of food that was um, being grown in that area up to 50 kilometers because they detected a high level of radiation in those food. It was a huge disaster that would take decades to clear up. They did not heed, they did not do what Kasuhiko Ishibashi said. Two months after the disaster, he said this, if Japan had faced up to the dangers earlier, we could have prevented Fukushima. They knew his word. They knew what he said. They did not choose to follow through. And when the wind or the storms, or in this case, the earthquake came, the house came tumbling down. Disaster struck. What are we building our foundations on? Are we doers of God's word? Or are we merely listeners or hearers of God's word? Are we building our lives on a solid rock of God's word by doing it, by practicing it? Or are we building our lives on shifting sands as our foundation by ignoring God's word? What is your foundation? It's a very simple but very important question, isn't it? And if we are not building our lives on solid rock, when life throws us a curveball, when trials and tribulations come, it all comes crashing down, isn't it? And let's admit it, right? In some sense, it is easy to build our lives on shifting sands. It is easy to come to church every week, 
sing some songs, listen to some inspiring sermons, and then we go home and we ignore God for the rest of the week. It is very easy to do that. But that cannot sustain us for the long haul. That cannot sustain us through the hardships that life will bring here on earth. And ultimately, listen to what Jesus himself says, that that kind of lifestyle shows that we are not even following Jesus. Verse 21 of chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? And if your name perform many miracles, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Only the one who does the will of the Father. Only the one who is a doer of God's word. And many people will turn to Jesus on that day and say, Jesus, did we not sing songs of praise to you? Did we not attend church every single week? Well, Jesus will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. I don't know of any scarier words that come from Jesus to us. I never knew you. Now, that's not to say attending church is a bad thing. But coming to church is not the purpose of making us feel good about ourselves or a checklist that we fulfill. Right? Coming to church is a time where, as God's people, we come and we hear from God once again to have our faith nourished, to have our spirits lifted up, so that we can continue obeying God throughout the week. That's what we do here. And that's what Jesus is imploring us to do here to build our house, to build our lives on the solid rock of God's Word by obeying it, by doing it. Don't be foolish. Don't build your house on the sand. It will come crashing down. Build it on a solid rock. Now at this point, I want you to notice something. Right? Both the builders, they, will, they have built their houses, but before the storm, before the elements come, both the houses will look the same. To everyone else on the outside, the externally speaking, the houses will look perfectly normal. And it's the same here in our world. As hearers and doers of the Word of God outside, in some sense, they look the same. You know, we all go to church every weekend. We will sing praises to God, be involved in ministry, sometimes even praying. From external experiences, appearances, both seems to be a follower of Christ. But as the storms of life hits them, it is then that we see the difference. The contrast is shown either obedience or disobedience to the teachings and words of Jesus. Let me give you one example in the area of forgiveness. This is something that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about forgiving those who have sinned against us. But forgiving others when they have sinned against us it's not easy, is it? But yet we are called to do that. Well, are we going to obey that? Or are we going to simply just take the easy way out and choose not to forgive? One person in the Bible who chose to forgive the people that did terrible things to him is Joseph. Why well, in his story, you know what happened to him, right? He, his brothers were jealous of him. 
They faked his death to their father. They sold him into slavery. So he was taken as a slave, ended up in Egypt. And his misery did not stop there. He was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown into jail. And when he was in jail, even though he helped the cupbearer to interpret his dreams, the cupbearer forgot about him. But eventually he ended up interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. Pharaoh was very impressed by him, very impressed by his relationship with God and his wisdom. He makes him the second most powerful person in the whole kingdom, second in command to Pharaoh. Now Joseph has the authority, has the power. He could have very easily summoned the cupbearer, summoned Potiphar's wife, have them jailed or have them murdered. Easily he could have done that. But he did not. And when his brothers came to him, begging him for food because of the famine, he could have easily ordered the palace guards to imprison them or have them killed. But he did not. He revealed himself to them, he invited them, and moved the whole family to Egypt. Now, I don't think it was easy for him to do that. After all, his brothers caused him untold miseries for many years. But yet he chose to forgive them. He did not harbor resentment against them, did not try to seek revenge even though he could have done so. But that's only possible because he has been obeying God throughout his life. If he hasn't been doing that, would he be able to forgive them throughout all these hardships, throughout the storms of his life, when he was faced with his brothers, the very one who caused these hardships to him? Well, I, I don't think so. These big steps of obedience, especially through hardship and struggles of life, are only possible because we have been obedient in the small things in life. And in these small things in life, these small steps of obedience that we, every day that we build up, it builds up our foundation on this solid rock, which then we are able to stand up to anything that life will throw at us. So what are you building the foundation of your life on? Are you being only a hearer of God's Word? Or are you also a doer of God's Word? Now some of us here may hear all of this, and then we think, oh no, I've been a hearer of God's Word only, and I haven't been doing and practicing it for many years. And then we come, we read a passage like this, and we realize that, and we feel despair. We feel despair because we think it is too late for me now. There's nothing I can do. I've already built my foundation. It is too late. I'm just waiting for a disaster. No, that is not true. There is something that we can do. A quick analogy. This is the Leaning Tower of Pisa, well known throughout the world for its tilt, as you know. And instead of like a normal building, instead of going straight up, it is a tilted building. It began during construction in the year 1173. This was caused by a lack of proper foundation on the ground on one side of the tower. The ground was too soft to support the building's weight. And as a result, the higher the build, the stronger the tilt over many years and increased for decades. That tower was not built on a solid foundation. 
And the result was that the tower is tilted. And it would have collapsed if it wasn't for efforts in the 20th and 21st century to stabilize the foundation, to stabilize the structure. It would have collapsed, and it may have taken many years, but that would have happened. But because they took the effort to stabilize the foundation, that tower now is secure. Right? That's a picture of these temporary, um, huge temporary counterweights as they do the work of stabilizing the foundation. But that soft, shifting foundation has been mended, changed to a solid one, holding up this structure. See, that then can be a picture of our own obedience. We can still fix and mend the foundation, just like this tower, and it's not too late. And because people have put in effort to fix the foundation, this leaning tower now becomes a worldwide attraction. And even then, if you think about it, this is just work done by mere human hands. For us, God is the one who does the work. The work of restoring us, the work of reconciling us, through the power of the Spirit, we can rebuild and stabilize the foundations that we have. Right? Let's not forget who we are in Christ. We are a child of our Heavenly Father. We are people of the risen King. Listen to what James says in chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And what James is saying here, and what James is meaning here, is that if we don't do God's word, we forget who we are in Christ. We forget our identity in Christ. We forget who we are. But listen to verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. So what are we building our lives on? What kind of foundation are we building our lives on? Is it on a solid rock? Or is it on shifting sands? It's not too late. It is never too late to start obeying God. It is never too late to be hearers and doers of God's word. Let me come to the end of the sermon and as an ending, I want us to look at verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Now, I once had a really, really fantastic Old Testament lecturer uh, by the name of Daniel Block. So one of the things that, uh, one of the stories he told us was that he would uh, do is that he would meet up with his non-Christian Jewish friends once a fortnight, and what they would do is that they would open their Bible and just read the Bible out loud and talk about it after that. So this one time, they came to the Sermon on the Mount. So his Jewish friends of his opened his Bible, started reading from the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, read all the way to the end in Matthew chapter 7. And after reading the whole thing, he closed his Bible, and then he said this, just who does this Jesus think he is? Just who does he think he is? How audacious is he? You see, we have become so familiar with Jesus that we don't recognize, as we read through the Sermon of the Mount, 
is that he is somebody who speaks with authority. Not just any kind of authority, but God's authority. He's not merely speaking to us as someone who is interpreting God's law. He is someone who knows and gives God's laws. He's not as speaking as someone who has memorized God's law. He is speaking as someone who has embodied it. He's not like the teachers of the law. That's why the crowds were amazed at his teachings, because he taught as one with authority. And, as, and at the start, I mentioned that the Sermon on the Mount is about what life is like within the kingdom of heaven. Well, who is the king of that kingdom of heaven? Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And that's why he could speak with such authority. In fact, Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Remember our scripture memory. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But not a king who rules with an iron fist, but a king who restores the world to what it's supposed to be. And if we keep reading on from the Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus healing all kinds of sickness and diseases among the people. He is restoring this world, this world that's filled with sin, with death, with deep diseases and darkness, into a kingdom that is filled with grace and love. He's bringing the kingdom of heaven to bear here on earth. He can do that because he is the king of grace and love. A king who has loved us and gave himself for us. A king who has forgiven us despite the fact that we have sinned against him. I talked about forgiveness earlier on. He is the one who has truly forgiven us even though we deserve his wrath. And he calls us to obey him as his people, with him as our king, not because he's an egomaniac, but because it is a blessing to us to obey him. It's good for us. We trust and we obey because he has first loved us. He has brought us into his kingdom. We are hearers and doers of God's word because he's the one who made it possible for us to do that, to know and hear God's word, empowered by his spirit. And through that, then we can put into practice all that he has told us. So my encouragement to you tonight, let's be faithful hearers and doers of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you that Jesus has come and revealed God's word to us and revealed your will to us, to reveal your heart to us. And Father, we also thank you that Jesus has given us of his spirit that now as your people within the kingdom of heaven, we can obey you and put into practice everything you have told us. So Father, we ask and pray that by your spirit, help us to obey you, help us to be hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing our last song together. Strength, my song is cornerstone.
that tonight you've been encouraged to go out and be hearers and doers of God's word, to obey Him because it is a blessing for us as we do that. If you need prayer, feel free to come to the front. I'll be happy to pray with and for you. I think Pastor David is around here as well. He'll be happy to pray with and for you. Let me send you off with a benediction from 2 Corinthians. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Son and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.